We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to U.S. News & World Report, we're the 25th top-paying career. Make an impact as a fact-seeker and a truth-teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you. Welcome to Wonderland, Alice. Welcome to 40 Going On 14, episode 163. I am Mike. He is Patrick. God damn it. I'm Joel. Let's, let's start it over. So many to... things went wrong in the first 10 seconds. I was just about to say, like, like he is muted. <laughs> All right. I guess mark it. No, it's more only a minute and a half into it, so it's not too, going to be too tough to Just find. Just trim it off. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. Alright. <laughs> Shit. Alright, five. I'm just. I'm not going to do the, the whole titles again. I'm just going to lead us in. Start with the, this is Mike? Yeah. Alright. Five, four, three, two, one. Hello, everybody. Welcome to 40 Going On 14, episode 163. I am Mike. I am Patrick. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh. And uh, when I entered my adolescence... A whole bunch of objects flew around the house. There was a lot of destruction and loud noises. We didn't have a poltergeist. I just needed Ritalin. <laughs> Ritalin. Meow. <laughs> so, yeah, so uh, this week... <laughs> sorry. I don't know. Sorry, I the Ritalin. Yeah, I don't know why we went directly into Beavis and Butthead on that one. That was kind of weird. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, this did. week we are going on about poltergeist. You watch the original uh, 1982, 83? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, 82. 82 and 2011. 15. 15? Yeah, came out last year. We talked about doing it for last year's October, oh. but we weren't confident we could get to the theater. That's right. The hell did I watch then? I watched something from 2011. Who the hell did I hit? <laughs> <laughs> must have watched it. Must have watched Poultrygeist, which is a fantastic film, but not related to this. There's a lot of things wrong with what you just said. That came out in 2011. Well, it's not a great film, though. If you're oh, interested in checking out a lot of things wrong, you can go to the Podcast Collective and set things right. It was actually 2006, but... Gonna... God damn it, Joel. Woof. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on the Podcast Collective, you'll find such shows as the Bad Parenting Podcast, On the Block, No Hope for Humanity, The Coffin Joe Cast, Joel's Own the Sunshine Happy Pants Hour, Dating Baggage... The Internet with Scott the Pool Boy, I Am Salt Lake, Mint Inbox Cast, Tales from the Hard Side, The Dog and Deuce Show, The Empty Rant Podcast, and The Rad Dad Radio Hour. Fantastic. And if you're uh, hanging out, 
You can also hear us on uh, Geek Life Radio at noon on Saturdays. Also find our older stuff on iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, and TalkShoe. Yeah, and if you want to uh, leave us a voicemail, you can always give us a call at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. We don't have any voicemails, do we? No, people haven't been calling the voicemail line. I think we had one a couple weeks ago. Well, we um, didn't have an one then? No, we had two from uh, Nikki last week. Oh, and honor of her, said he was gonna... I, watched, uh, I watched Cricket this week. Did you? Yeah, I did. For about oh, did you get a sticky wicket? I, re- I mean, I found more words that we don't know. And the bats that they use, the... the they're uh, they're not big and flat like you expect them to be. They're almost like paddles. Yeah. Got funky curves to them and all that. Yeah. One side is curved and the other side <laughs> is flat. No, but I mean they're, I they they like look like college. <laughs> kind of strange. But we knew a girl that all side. Never mind. I'm gonna stop. What? I'm gonna. I'm just saying no, myself. Don't go down that alley with him. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's about that time. It is definitely about that time. This week in music, movies, and TV. Boo. Boo, all right. So this week, it's June 4th, 1982, the premiere of Poltergeist. Nice. Music. Ebony and Ivory is the number one song in the land. Which we've talked about that in. A I was going to say, yeah. I mean, we could yep. go back and forth with Pat and I arguing over whether it's a great song or terrible, or we could just move on. Crap. Moving on. <laughs> Jin Ao Young, an American rapper, songwriter, and actor, was born June 4th in Miami and is also professionally known as MC Jin. He was the first Asian American rapper to be signed to a major record label in the United States. Never hmm. heard of him. No, I've never heard of him either. Me yep. either. Passaic High School in New Jersey was where Addie, Mickey Harris, Shirley Alston, friends, and formed a singing group calling themselves the Paquelos. Is that right, Josh? I'll take that as a yes. One friend in particular Gosh. loved the group so much that she convinced the girls to audition for her mother, Florence Greenberg, the head of a small record label. Greenberg quickly signed on to be their manager, changing their stage name from the Paquelos to the Shirelles. Their hits included... Sorry, you were silent on my end for uh, a while. I'm not oh, sure. Oh. Yeah. You were silent on our end. Weird. Just like college. Their hits included Dedicated to the One I Love. I don't know what that means. Tonight's the Night, <laughs> Will You Still Love Me Tomorrow, Soldier Boy, Mama Said, and Big John. Tragedy struck when Harris suffered massive heart attack in a performance in Atlanta, Georgia on June 10th. Paramedics were unable to save her, and Harris died at the age of 42. Ironically, my current age. That, that's not... Never mind. <laughs> it's like random Movies. wedding days. <laughs> if, if, if you were like the lead singer in a girl band, maybe it would be a little more ironic, but not really anywhere near it. I was in college. You were the singer of a girl band? Yeah. We were called the Poquelos. <laughs> Christ. All right, are we ready to move on? I can't on? believe we're all sitting there listening for some sort of reasonable answer from that guy. <laughs> <laughs> all right, moving on to Movies. Hanky Panky, Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan, and Poltergeist are released this week. Star Trek was the number one movie until E.T. came along. Which is why some of these things sound a little familiar. Yeah. Hank Ladd was born on December 12, 1908 in Chicago, Illinois. 
I think I know how this ends. <laughs> An actor and director known for Waiting for the Break, Las Vegas Nights, and The Aaron Boy. He died on June 9th in Los Angeles. Poor old Hank Ladd. Hank Ladd. Wah. Wah. What can we say about old Hank Ladd? It's what like, can Mike say about TV? Dude. That He's was looking a, up Hank Ladd. I am, man. <laughs> the top shows I'm are... Silence. Okay, enough silence. Talk right. about Hank Ladd. Let's talk about TV. Screw you. <laughs> <laughs> the top shows are Dallas, 60 Minutes, The Jeffersons, and Three's Company. Come and knock on a door. <laughs> uh, on June 2nd in British Columbia, Jewel State was born. She is known for her roles in Castle, Con Man, Stargate Atlantis, Flash Forward, and the acronym of the week which is the aneurysm-inducing H-T-P-A-O-I-A-S-T. Well, that's, of course, hold the penis and overstimulate intelligent alien shark testicles. <laughs> that was Dude. a miniseries, wasn't it? Now, is that like an order? You're saying, no, hold the penis, please. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what makes me more angry, the fact that Patrick put that many letters in the acronym or the fact that he didn't mention fucking Firefly under <laughs> this date. I was waiting to see who was going to catch that. <laughs> yeah, that is um, that is the girl known as um, what is her name on the show? Kaylee. Kaylee. Yeah. 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 I that's follow who, her on Twitter. That's who Jewel is. You follow her in the mall too. And of I course, did. the acronym of the week is how to plan an orgy in a small town. You were very close. How you put up a sign at the American Legion Hall? <laughs> no, that'll just get you poker. At least around here. Isn't it the same thing? Okay, we're on to sports. On June 1st, Ricky Henderson becomes the fastest MLB player to reach 50 stolen bases in a season on his way to a still current record 130 in the season. It's pretty impressive because that's almost a steal a game. It's a lot of theft. On June 6th at the 81st Men's French Open, Mats Wielander beat Guillermo Vilas, and at the Women's French Open, Martina Navratilova beat Andrea Jaeger. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm laughing because I'm thinking about this giant robot playing tennis. <laughs> now I am. I'm thinking about Hank Ladd. <laughs> <laughs> Andrea Yeager. Uh, On June 7th, L.A. Dodger Steve Garvey is the fifth player to play in 1,000 consecutive games going 0 for 4 at the plate. Mm. Huh. Turkey Garvey. And lastly, on June 8th at the 36th NBA Finals, the Los Angeles Lakers beat the Philadelphia Philadelphia 76ers four games to two. How does our sports guy mess up Philadelphia 76ers? Yeah, I don't know. Weed. (laughs) That's the likely culprit. I'm just grateful sports isn't my thing anymore because I had that Martina chicken there again. Yep, I thought about that. (laughs) No cricket, huh? Couldn't find any cricket, nope. 1982 was not a great year for cricket. Nope. That was the great cricket strike. We all know that. Yeah. Yeah, all the maidens were striking. <laughs> and the bowlers weren't bowling. It's a hell of a spot. <laughs> <laughs> and exit music. So, yes, Poltergeist. That is the movies that we watched this week. Uh, came out in 1982, American supernatural horror film directed by Tobe Hooper of uh, Invaders from Mars. Is it Tobe or Toby? Toby. Toby? I thought it was Toby Toby. Hooper. Yeah. I thought Toby's the E was the silent. Shut up, Pat. 
It's directed by Toby Hooper. Hopper. Hooper. Uh, Invaders from Mars. (laughs) Are you having a stroke? (laughs) I might be. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre and everybody's naked vampire favorite, Life Force. With Patrick That's Stewart. not my favorite naked vampire. I'm glad you got Texas Chainsaw Massacre. What do you mean? He was on the list. Jerk. Oh, down there, Josh had it as TCM, so I thought you were reading Turner it classic movies. <clears throat> yes. For reference, my favorite naked vampire movie is Bordello of Blood. Oh, that is a good one. Now I'm thinking about this topic. Moving on. What movie <laughs> What movie can we shoehorn in? I am too. Uh, vampire in Brooklyn. No. Okay. So, anyway, uh, <laughs> Steven Spielberg wrote and produced but had a clause to prevent him from directing another movie while he made E.T. So Hooper was selected to direct uh, based on his work through the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and is the first and most successful entry in the Poltergeist film series, because all the rest were crap. Uh, set in California suburb, which may or may have not have been the same uh, same neighborhood that E.T. took place in, because it hmm. sure heck looked like it. Uh Plot focuses on a family whose home is invaded by malevolent ghosts that abduct the family's youngest daughter. Released on June 4th by Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, the film was a major critical and commercial success, achieving uh, in being the eighth highest grossing film of 1982. And that's a year that is packed with big movies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, if you've listened to our show, you know that. Yeah, that's that, why that's why the tweets sound so familiar all the time when we do a lot of these movies. <laughs> yeah, because '82 was a great year for movies. Yes, uh, it's been recognized as a classic within the horror genre and gained a cult following. Aside from being nominated for three Academy Awards, this film was ranked as number eighty on Bravo's 100 Scariest Movie Moments. The moment being the clown attack. Oh. Why? Because <laughs> fuck that clown. <laughs> I'm not even afraid of clowns, and that's still creepy. No. Uh, the Chicago mm-hmm. film critics named it uh, the 20th scariest film ever made. It appeared number 84 on the American Film Institute's 100 Years, 100 Thrills, a list of America's most heart-pounding movies. So, yeah. Uh, made by Toby Hooper, and what, like I said, with Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Steel of Steven Spielberg, who has done some stuff, uh, was one of the writers, and Michael Grayus, who's known for... Beretta, Starsky and Hutch, and Kojak. Hmm. Yeah. That's All a right. lot of cop drama. That is. Who loves you, baby? Uh, Craig T. <laughs> Nelson, also known as the voice of Mr. Incredible. And Coach. And Coach, yep. yeah. Uh, played Steve Hate Freeland. Fox. <laughs> Sorry. Dauber. That was my, my autistic moment there, apparently. Nice. <laughs> I got all excited that I, I was like, I know that reference. <laughs> Patrick knew a reference. Everybody drink. Uh, Joe Beth Williams uh, as Diane Freeling. Yeah, she's been in a lot of stuff. Like, she's consistently worked since this. Oh, yeah. And apparently she she lights Mike's fire. She still looks good. She does. Yeah. So, uh, Beatrice Strait as Dr. Les. Dominique Dunn as Dana. Oliver Robbins as Robbie Freeling, who is still in uh, therapy. <laughs> Heather O'Rourke, uh, the late Heather O'Rourke as Carol Ann. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Dominique, the late Dominique Dunn. This is part of that uh, poltergeist curse. Oh, she she died too? Yeah, she was uh, beaten to death by her boyfriend. Yikes. I know, right? Uh, Michael McManus as Ben Tuthill. Shut up, Pat. Whatever you're going to say, shut up. <laughs> 
Next door neighbor, Virginia Kaiser is Mrs. Tuthill. Uh, let's get. Is Marty the little get, boy next door? That has gotta to be. Get down to Tangina. I'm, I'm getting Tangina. down to. Shut up. Okay, so then we've got Richard Lawson as Ryan. Zelda Rubenstein as Ten, Tangia? Tangina. 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 That's citrusy. Uh, <laughs> Yikes. Sweet and tangy. That's, that's what the astronauts eat. <laughs> Tangina. <laughs> the fuck is wrong with you people? <laughs> and don't forget James Karen. Oh, I love James Karen. I am so hot. I could go for a nice cold glass of Tangina. <laughs> Lick it up. <laughs> so yeasty. Ah! <laughs> okay. Why as... does it sound like that? <laughs> <laughs> and then Dirk Blocker as Jeff Shaw. Because... We're going all the way down this list. There's a lot of people in this. Okay, some trivia. The production crew used real human skeletons because it was cheaper to buy them instead of getting plastic ones. Yeah. Which is a little bit of where the whole idea of the Poltergeist curse came from. Because consistently, (laughs) through all the Poltergeist movies in the trilogy, people have died. When you gotta block every Dirk in the room, Dirk Blocker. (laughs) Remember what I said? Now I'm a dirt blocker. I know. I was that earlier. <laughs> you guys missed it when I sang it. Patrick, oh, darn. My joke. Mm. Citrusy. Uh, the house used to film in this. Uh, I'm sorry. The house used to film this movie. The house used to film this movie. <laughs> the house used to film this movie? It did. <laughs> it's located in Simi Valley. I don't realize. Wait a minute. I'm a house. What am I doing? <laughs> Uh, California, where it still stands today, the family who owned it still live there right now. That's us. Why am I talking? I'm a house. (laughs) How am I holding this camera? (laughs) Simi Valley also has some wonderful wine. True. Just tossing that out there. Uh, The hands which pull the flesh off the investigator's face in the bathroom are actually Steven Spielberg's. Hmm. And uh, both of the terrors that plague Robbie came from Steven Spielberg's own fears as a child. A fear of clowns and a tree of outside his window. Thank you, Steven Spielberg, because now there's a whole generation of people that are afraid of clowns. <laughs> oh my god. If I ever see a clown tree, that's the <laughs> end of it. Ah, <laughs> uh, pick fresh clowns from the clown tree. <laughs> uh, Son, go pick me a clown. I don't want to go pick a clown. <laughs> don't you make me have to make you go cut a clown switch? Mmm, tangina. <laughs> Robbie has a poster in his room for Super Bowl Twenty Two, which would not take place for another six years. Heather O'Rourke died in San Diego the day after the Super Bowl Sunday of 1988, which was played in San Diego as well. Which was six years later. Mm-hmm. Huh. Heather O'Rourke died from an intestinal blockage and septus from a misdiagnosis of, uh, I forget what it was she had, but they thought that it was... Kidney stones. Not lupus. No, it wasn't kidney Cirrhosis. stones. Cir- no. Uh, shit. Angina? Tangina. <laughs> Tangina. Yeasty. <laughs> okay. Cardiac arrest. She died on the operating table where they're trying to unblock her her intestines. God, that got dark quick. Tangina. Tangina. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that poor girl, man. She was adorable. She, w- she really was. Yeah. And she was so true to being a small child because it's like, 
the house is haunted. My mom wants to show show off the poltergeist, put you down on the kitchen floor, slide across the kitchen floor, and then she stands up and she's like, I'm hungry. <laughs> right? I, lo- I, lo- I just love the reaction when she comes back. She's like, hi, Daddy. <laughs> yeah, just like, where have you been? So, uh, <laughs> first off, kids with remote control cars are dicks. Yes. <laughs> no kidding. And everybody ignores the fact that he has 24 cans of beer, spraying beer everywhere. Right? How did nobody even notice that or care? I mean... That he didn't have all 24 beers, and the ones he brought in, half of them were spraying everywhere. You think old Diane would be like, not in my living room, but no, she's too busy being upstairs. Everybody's like, all right, just give me a broken beer or something or whatever, I guess. Got grown men shotgunning beers. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad we didn't see that guy again. Let me put it. Let me let me just say that the, oh, the beer did, guy did. on the bike. No, you didn't see anybody from the rest of the. Rest well, of they the... were all obnoxious, so I was very glad to never see them again. They were all all were very eighties too. This is a very I don't want to say it's a dated movie, but you could definitely pinpoint the era that this was supposed to be in. Oh yeah, this this definitely embraced the time period. And you know what? Much. I think there was another movie that came out that the kid liked. What was it? Oh yeah, Star Wars, freaking mm-hmm. everywhere. Yep. I had those sheets. Well, say what you will about the football buddies, but uh, they were more likable than any character in the 2015 Poltergeist. I will give you that. (laughs) Hey. No throwing stones yet. Mm. I got my stones ready. I'll put them back in the stone pile. (laughs) I did like the remote control wars, though. The TV turned into Mr. Rogers in the middle of the play. (laughs) Which, incidentally, Mr. Rogers got a credit on IMDb. For, for being this. in that? Yes. Oh, nice. That's fantastic. He's got a sad card. He deserves his credit. Yeah, the whole thing starts off with uh, the bird dying, too, which was the classic parent uh, reaction. Why couldn't you do this when the kids weren't home? Well, and who flushes the bird down the toilet, right? by the Yeah, what I mean... What you do with your bird, Michael? Oh, it's buried in the backyard. Did you have a ceremony? Oh, yeah. Now, we discovered... Uh, or at least I discovered when I watched this that I had never seen the original Poltergeist before. Oh my gosh, who are you? Well, here's <laughs> the thing: is it, it turns out that what I was positive was the original Poltergeist, which I, I saw like uh, in early high school when I first got into horror movies, was actually Poltergeist Two. Wow! So this whole time you've been thinking all this praise that Poltergeist gets was actually Poltergeist Two, and you're like, I don't get it. Now, that's the one where he drinks the worm, and the worm has the face of the old man, right? That sounds right. I, I remember the braces scene vividly. Oh, yeah, well, the, the braces tie the kid up? Yeah. Yep. That's messed up. But, yeah, watching this one, it was interesting the way they ha- it took their time to build these people's lives, and they incorporate a little bit of weirdness in there, but at first the weirdness is fun. It's stuff that it, that, uh, yeah, the little girl's talking to things that aren't there, but that's what kids do. And, it's and a little the, creepy. And the stuff is startling, but it's not uh, ominous or threatening at that point. Right. right. And uh, they take the time to build the family as they were, so we see after uh, the daughter disappears. <clears throat> Uh, after uh, Carol Ann vanishes into the closet, what they become. Right. And that's and that's one of the things. I mean, people are like, I've heard them say, oh, man, my kid was talking to the closet, or my, my kid's talking to the TV, I'd freak out. If you have children, 
No, you won't. Because they, it's been said before. Things. They do. It's like, uh, uh, it's been said before. I'll say it again. It's like living with drunken midgets. <laughs> I have woken up and all of my shoelaces have been missing. I've woken up and my shoes have been filled full of pennies. That is Suzanne. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, so, <laughs> I wouldn't put it past her. But no, no I mean, it's kids are weird. Order here, fairy. The you one. mean Tangina? <laughs> Speaking of drunken midgets. <laughs> Uh, I see what you did there. Yep. But yeah, and also, the parents are a little weird, just tossing this one out there, getting baked and getting all, you know, ass and slappy and not closing the door. Yeah, I I liked that whole scene until I realized that the door was wide open. It was 82. And the kid is, how long was he standing there? (laughs) So. Long enough. But yeah, mom took the TV. He knows what's going on. Yeah, I mean, I think it's weed because it was 82 and the door was open because weed. (laughs) I have been in relationships with um, weed. Certain people who, you know, I've been (laughs) in a long relationship with weed, yeah. But I've been in relationships with people that I've, uh, you know, that were also smokers and that had children. And, you know, you you make an effort to make sure that the kids are, you know, nowhere around when, when you smoke. You know, at least normal people do. Sure, but there was a different perception in 82 when weed was grass, and it wasn't necessarily, uh, until it became demonized later in the 80s, even uh, really considered that much of a big deal. Right, and I, I, you know, obviously being someone who smokes, I didn't mind it. I actually liked that they were showing people that could be seen as, you know, normal America or, you know, just happen to be smokers. I thought it was pretty funny because when he walked in, she took one more hit before hiding it. Right, (laughs) So, but yeah, mom took the TV people pretty well, you know, even after she was sliding, you know, like after the chair stacking and she's like, this is the TV people. And then it was like, uh, like you said, it wasn't anything harmful. She was having fun with it. Yeah. Yeah. And even before the TV people, Carol Ann's just a little off when it comes to, but not in a bad way. She's got this slightly different perspective she reacts to things differently it's clear that she's a different child she's one of those people that you know a lot of people like to describe as an old soul yeah and i don't know maybe it's also has something to do with the fact that uh, despite being the youngest heather o'rourke was the best actress of the three kids for sure i don't know oliver had a great portrayal of sheer terror because that was like 90 percent of his I yeah. was going to say, but that was his only emotion. <laughs> yeah, that, that whole scene, though, when he's after he got saved from the tree, and he's standing there just covered in in, in blood and, and ichor, and he's just you know frightened as shit. You know, I mean, that, he that, he was well, he did well in that scene. Well, it's because they didn't tell him it was effects. It was her, actually call attention to her voice in the TV. You know, yeah, ichor. And you've got Robbie and Carol Ann and another kid. <laughs> That's pretty. <laughs> yeah. Dana was basically a vaguely teenager-shaped houseplant. In the calculon as random teenager. <laughs> yeah, she she really didn't have much to do. Yeah, she just had, she just had to like you know think things were either cool or icky, and you know every now and then be worried about the young kids. And yeah. have her butt shown when her shirt flew up. No, that was the mom. That was no that you're thinking of later when she's flying up the wall when they go outside. Oh yeah, flying up the wall. Yeah, that was oh yeah, that that, that would draw the construction guy's attention. I get, yeah, I remember that. Now. Right. Oh, that's right. Speaking of which, those construction guys should have been fired. Did you notice who one of them was? 
the guy who uh, played uh, Billy in uh, Predator. Oh yeah, oh. I did not notice that. But that one dude sitting in the kitchen, tasting her food, drinking right. her coffee. <laughs> like, I, I would have been like, dude, you're off this job. Go home. Yeah, but obviously, since Craig T. Nelson uh, is employed by the uh, area that built the uh, all the subdivisions. Those guys are more friends of the family than anything. Yeah, they're right. they're like you know dad's coworkers. But it just seemed like a dick move at the time. Sure, I mean, yeah, he's in sales. They're in construction, but they're all in the same company. They're familiar with one another, so they pull some shit they know they wouldn't get away with on a normal job. Yeah, which Kinda... she didn't mind it, you know. <clears throat> yeah, she's. I mean, the guy's name is Bluto too. It's like Bluto. <laughs> yeah, she's more concerned with you know just just get out of my kitchen. Right. <laughs> not, not like you know. Why are you sticking your mouth in my food? You make good coffee, Mrs. F. <laughs> yeah, it's my coffee. <laughs> so, first off, the clown is wearing the Mickey Mouse hat from Fantasia. I noticed that. I don't know if that was an actual thing. Uh, something else that I that I th- I had heard was a nod to The Shining. Is when um, the ghosts come out of the TV the first time. The time on the television is two thirty-seven. Hmm. Ah. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but it definitely is a thing. So It's so, clobbered time. After normal family, we've got the attack of the tree, which is a big distraction by <sighs> whatever's going on in the house. So the whole family tries to save, uh, what's his face? Robbie. 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 So while they're all distracted, the house can eat Carol Ann. Nom, 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 nom. Now, now here's, I'm going to go film a movie. <clears throat> here's something. <laughs> When um, Mr. Teague is taking uh, Craig T. Nelson out walking along the cemetery, something that he mentioned that I think may actually play into why the, the ghosts like Carol Ann so much. Carol Ann was born in that house. Yeah. So I'm wondering. I definitely, I definitely noticed that, that it had to have been the big connection. That's why she's a kid who's a little off and like an old soul because she's immediately connected to all those spirits by being born in that particular spot yeah. you know i'd forgotten that, that but house. you're right well, yeah and that's why it all concentrates in that house despite the entire neighborhood being the cemetery incidentally right. i um <clears throat> mr teague who is uh played expertly by james karen is a similar type character in a return of the living dead which is uh another fantastic horror film yeah, it, it always kind of bothered me thinking about it uh after watching it uh and uh this is about poltergeist, but when we get to the uh, paranormal investigators, they describe a poltergeist, they describe a haunting, and for the rest of the movie, we see how this is a haunting. <laughs> right. I think what they were trying to say was, like, they didn't know what this was because, you know, this is what this is, and this is what this is, and it doesn't really meet either criteria, or it meets criteria from both. So I think they were trying to say, this is even beyond our level of knowledge and expertise. Yeah, and it's not that it wasn't centered around a person, and I think they kind of clarified that, uh, not to jump ahead too much, but in, in the second film they talk about how there are uh, ghosts who are there because of what's going on, and there's a poltergeist. Well, but this is the, the, the haunting was long-term and, uh, you know, was a constant, whereas a poltergeist was a brief period of time where it would happen and then it would just end, and this classified more in that way 
Right. Aside from the fact that maybe the thing that was holding Carol Ann back, that was the poltergeist. And the haunting was all the other spirits that were prevented from going to the light. Hmm. I just thought it was weird that uh, they go out of their way to explain the two phenomenon and then name the movie after the one it doesn't most closely resemble. <laughs> but I think that's their way of, of saying, because you know how Poltergeist is usually always tied to a child. I think that's their way of saying this is tied to Carol Ann. Sure. And can we get a shout out for Ryan, played by Richard Lawson? The kid who tore his face off in the mirror? No, that's Marty. Fuck Marty. <laughs> <laughs> who was Ryan? Wow. Ryan was the black guy. Okay. Yeah, he was awesome. Oh, yeah. shit. He was in Streets of Fire, too. Yeah, I, I've. Richard Lawson is one of those character actors that you don't see as often as somebody like James Karen, but uh, he's he's been around, and I appreciated his character, especially considering how oafish Marty was, and Marty's big scene, the tearing the face off thing. Talk about an effect that didn't hold up. Right. However, as it went on, it started out, yeah, very, very, very bad, but by the time you were seeing the, the skull, it was pretty creepy. Right. Especially for I, people. I agree with that. It, it, it went from creepy to campy back to creepy pretty quick. And thanks for the shout-out for James Karen. I appreciate that. Oh, I like him, too. we got to do Streets of Fire. Yeah, I mean, we appreciate character actors on this show. Did right. you just shit-talk streets of, streets of Fire? Nobody. I've never seen it. No, nobody's talking about Streets of Fire. I'm talking about tits, Streets Mike. of Fire. <laughs> put, put your tits away. We're not fighting. <laughs> put my tits away? <laughs> if they happen to be out, put them away. That's my variation on calm your tits. Put your tits away? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to sit here and drink my tangina. <laughs> mm. uh, but These bowels are clean. <laughs> so... I, I, one of the things I also really liked is after uh, just a little bit in the house, you've got the team of paranormal investigators who are so uh, impressed with themselves, and uh, immediately they're hit with something well beyond anything they've experienced. It's this family's just been living with not sleeping. It's like, oh, yeah, the uh, plates fly around the room. They do that. Yeah, I love Craig T. Nelson when they're walking up to the room and the guy's <laughs> describing the... The toy car that moved seven feet, you know, and he's just like, uh-huh, mm-hmm, yeah, okay. We got it all on tape. Okay. And he Opens just the door. unlocks like, the door and shows him, you know, like, uh-huh, oh, yeah, there's your seven feet. <laughs> well, and by go. the end, even Dr. Lesh, who seems to have it together, she's kind of terrified spending the night in the house. Well, she got the shakes right after going in the room, too. Remember, she's drinking the tea and her, her hands are shaking. Yeah. But I think it, I just think the whole... The, the three of them trying to figure stuff out, I I give the family credit to find them because it's not like it's now. It's just 1982. You, your house is haunted. You're like, well, who the hell do we go to? Ghostbusters. Not for another few years. <laughs> See, look what you did. <laughs> so, <clears throat> I mean, they had to dig up. They had to do some serious research to figure out where these people were. You know, it's not like you can you can Google it and find, you know, ghosts recorder hunter things or whatever in 1982 uh and these guys local university because they always have three apparently according to ghostbusters yeah apparently to ghostbusters and uh and poltergeist there are always three paranormal psychologists living in the basement of every every uh college and they're always the scholarly laughing stock so who was in our college that was us oh yeah exactly we were the cave remember (laughs) point taken 
So we have an actual former paranormal investigator on this show. That's true. Yep. It's Joel. (gasps) (laughs) He's so deep undercover, he doesn't even know. I didn't. That explains a lot, though. No. Actually, it's Josh. Josh used to do that sort of thing. Yes. Yes. We brought that up, uh, I think, when we did the fear show. Yep. So they start investigating, and then they call in... Tangina Barons. The uh, eccentric medium. She's more of a, like a small. Oh, dude. That was fantastic. What, you can make a drunken midget <laughs> joke and I can't make one solid. about her being small? <laughs> you, know, you know what you would call it if she broke out of prison? A small medium at large? <laughs> this joke <laughs> is clean. <laughs> Holy shit. Um, and I love how she just charges into the house and just takes over. Yeah, she's all like, can you hang back? You're blocking my flow. <laughs> and those glasses. They're <laughs> those are very 80s glasses. Well, and everyone, like, doesn't know what to make of her at first, but she, <laughs> like... Craig, Craig T. Nelson all offensively, what side of the rainbow were we on? That was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> but she just immediately comes in and is like, here's the problem. Uh, there's lots of bad stuff going on in this house, and we're going to take care of it, but you need to listen to me, and you need to do X, Y, and Z, or you're never going to see your daughter again. Mm-hmm. She definitely took charge. And I like her line. She's like, you know, come here to talk to her. She's like, get down on your knees. You're going to hurt my neck. <laughs> <laughs> no. Honestly, I think one of the my best, one of my favorite exchanges between her and uh, the mom had to have been the... You know, she's not going to go to you. You've never done this. Neither have you. You're right. You go. Yeah. yeah. I was going to bring that up. I love that that bit. That is a great bit. Yeah. yeah so they do this, like, uh, kind of exorcism. They know where the way in is, but they don't know the way out. And you've got a little bit of ritual, a little bit of pseudoscientific research. They kind of figure out what's going on. And following... Uh, Tangina's instructions, uh, they send the mother through, uh, despite the fact that the dad almost screws it up by not listening. Right. If creepy little woman who is right about everything is in your house, don't start contradicting her orders when it's game time. <laughs> That's rule number one of combat. Yep. Yeah. Giant skull head coming out of the doorway was pretty freaking terrifying, too. Right. That That effect held up. Yeah. Yeah. That was cool. All of the stuff with uh, the passage through where uh, Craig T. Nelson almost screws it up, loses his wife and his daughter. They do make it through the other side. They quickly uh, clean them up. They both wake up, and you have fake happy ending. Yep. That messed me up so bad when I was a kid. I saw this movie in the theater because, you know, my father and I were both big fans of horror movies, so, you know, we'd like to see all the ones in the theater and that that messed me up when, when, it, when everything started coming back it's like no 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 yeah <laughs> right because it, it follows the narrative structure of the traditional horror film very closely and you get to the point where okay everything's over there should only be a few more minutes of movie wait a minute why is there more movie than yeah. clowns are attacking and the bed the wall every, yeah everything's going nuts again that's Fuck that clown! Exactly. Where I watched that with I watched this with the kids, and Sophie is like, "Who buys that for their kids?" 
you know what i mean they're obviously we're just their goal was just to screw um robbie up completely uh they were high at the time well and then every night it's sitting on that goddamn chair staring at you it was definitely dude. much better explained in the second movie but we'll get to that let's buy yeah. this clown dude <laughs> the poor kid every night is, is like, trying to cover the clown up he's like fuck this clown i can't Somebody figure out why rob is scared of everything We've just had a terrifying clown watching over him since he was a baby. I planted that. Some therapy. No, maybe you should throw the fucking clown away. You know what? I bet he's scared of the clown. Let's plant a giant freaking scary tree right outside his window. <laughs> yeah. What is with saving that tree? It was basically just a stump. Like it hardly had any limbs until it needed them to grab everything. You know what else was strange? That tornado. Right. But they had to get rid of the tree, I guess. I did like the effect of when uh, you've got the big reveal that you could have seen coming, that they just moved the headstones and not the bodies. The bodies are starting to pop up out of the ground. That was, especially when she's trapped in the pool, that was another yeah. one of those. I mean, the, the, the reveal that kind of started the, um, the uh, mystery, I guess, of, of what was going on, when they're when he and Teague are standing on the hillside and they just kind of pan back and you see that they're standing in front of a cemetery, that was a really good shot. Yeah. yeah. And then they pay it off after the fake happy ending, and it's basically a flight for our lives. And the movie doesn't really end with them winning; it ends with them just getting the hell out of Dodge and checking into a hotel. Yeah. Those poor neighbors, <laughs> the obnoxious neighbor, trying to help her out, and she's like, you know, I mean. Think about being in his shoes. Like, lady, you are insane. Like, As the house is being destroyed. Right? Cool yeah. effect when the house eats itself. Yeah. Oh, you know how they did that? I, I looked this up because the effect was so cool. They had actually had like a grinder in the back. They made a little a miniature version of the house. And they had two wheels that, that uh, rotated and strings that went through went to key parts in the in the model and then through the grinder and when they filmed it they just slowly pulled the house with the the strings through the grinder and it crushed the house from that spot like a like a wood chipper yeah like a little bitty wood chipper and they put the strings through it and it kept grinding that's why everything looked like it crunched up it was a little miniature house they reverse they pulled it from the inside out well then there's the great scene in the hotel at the end where he pushes the tv out yeah yeah that is a great ending. Now, yeah. did anybody else, and this was the biggest thing that I like picked up on and remembered from the first time I saw it, was how much music there is in it. And the music plays it like an adventure film, like Indiana Jones or something like that. The music the entire time makes it feel like it's just this like... Well, that's very Spielbergian quality. Right. And it's weird because the movie wouldn't be the same without it but it also kind of it's, changed it's a, the mood it's a horror movie with an et soundtrack right well the mood it created a different mood than i was had remembered or expected trying to see who it's did very, it it's, it's kind of off-putting it is well, i kind of appreciated it because it did have that uh steven spielberg 1980s movie gone horribly wrong because of angry dead oh uh, Jerry Goldsmith did the music for Total Recall, Star Trek The Next Generation, Voyager, um, Hollow Man, The Mummy. He did, he'd some, he's got a lot of good adventure 
movie uh, credits to his name. And Hollow Man. Yes. Medicine Man, Basic Instinct, Gremlins 2, Warlock. We're not doing a Hollow Man show. Or a Warlock show. We could do a creature. What? We we could do a Willow show. We need to find an equivalent. We could do Willow. Uh, We're getting off topic. Streets of Fire. Yeah, does anyone have anything else to say about Poltergeist? No, I'm good. We're going to wait on the thumbs up, thumbs down after we talk about the next. Yeah, let's do that at the end. All right. For a PG film, it. I know they had fought to keep it from being an R, and it, it very much is on the border and crosses that border several times for PG. Yeah, it is one of these that would have been PG-13. It had been made just a few years later. Yep. yep. That's all I had. All, all right. right, so let's uh, go to the break. We'll be back to talk about another movie about ghosts. Specifically Poltergeist. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> all right, be back in a bit. All right, we are back, reiterating that we hate clowns. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I'm kind of neutral. Yeah, me too. All right, we hate that clown. These mm-hmm. clowns. Yeah, fuck that clown from the first movie. Yeah. So 2015, somebody thought it would be a good idea to make another version. Whoop. The hell? I like to judge all clowns on a clown-by-clown clown basis. An angel got its wings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this one... by clown Poltergeist Christmas movie emporium. <laughs> is directed by Gil Keenan, who's known for Monster House, City of Ember, and was a director on Five Nights at Freddy's. Hmm. I don't know what that is. That's a video game where you're playing a security guard in like a um, pizzeria, like a showbiz pizza type place, place. And the, but all the animatronics come to life at the end of the day and try to kill oh, you. Oh, I want to see that. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure this is the second time we've explained to you what Five Nights at Freddy's is on the show. It's a, yeah. your face. Stuffed <laughs> with dead children. And when he looked in the mirror, he looked just like his a, dad. Uh, <laughs> it's not a movie yet, Pat. They're working on it. Yeah, it's they're working on it. It's, it's, you should definitely play the game. Yeah, it's one of those that you turn off all the lights. Anymore. Yeah. If you don't like puppets, it's a good thing to play. Uh, it's also written by David Lindsay Abair. That's how I'd say it. Yeah. For uh, Rise of the Guardians, The Great and Powerful Oz, which we have also watched. And Steven Spielberg is also in, in one of the, as one of the writers because it's based on the 82 one. Uh, hey. This one is starring Sam Rockwell as a huge dick. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Uh, no, I'm not sorry. You know what? This For being a dad character, he was an asshole to his kids. He had a, he had a bit of an asshole quality to him. When he was playing catch with uh, a little griffin, and he throws <laughs> and he the throws ball in the, the tree, and he's like, yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, go get go it. Go get that ball, kid. <laughs> he kind of gave me the impression that he's like, yeah, I'm here for the paycheck. Even though he's a great actor, that's kind of the impression I got from the way he was playing the character. Yeah. I mean, everybody but Jared Harris phoned it in super hard. Yeah, Sam Rockwell had no Zaphod Beeblebrox in this one. Hey, I liked um, I liked it. I liked Kale, uh, Kyle Kyle Catlett Griffin. I liked well, that kid. Okay, mm-hmm. well, Rosemary Dewitt we'll is Amy Bowen. I liked her. Saxano Saxon Sharbino. That's a real name. I had that for lunch today. Oh, <laughs> as Kendra Bowen, Kyle Catlett as Griffin, Kennedy Clements as Madison. 
Jared Harris as Kerrigan Burke. I don't even remember him. Yeah, you do. This house is clean. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. His picture's real small. Yeah, he's from he's from Fringe and Resident Evil. Yeah, and even he phoned it in. No, I thought he was the one half bright bright spot. Well, I mean, he was good because he's Jared Harris, but I'm comparing him to the character that like he played on Fringe. Oh, okay. I was gonna say frequently uh, some of these actors suffered in my opinion because i was comparing them to the character in the original which might not be fair but there it is well i mean obviously you're gonna do that because it's a remake yeah, yeah. uh jane adams who is not also to mention, that's kind of the point of this podcast right yeah. uh as dr brooke powell who we find out later on had a relationship with i like her kerrigan brooke i do too she was I'm all right fan Susan Hayward, Nicholas Brown as Boyd, uh, Hayward as Sophie, Karen Ivey, and a bunch of other. Uh, oh, and uh, the ever-standing Eve Crawford as older woman. And oh. L.A. Lopez. It's who? How far down the rabbit hole are we going on these? All right. It's where the cashier gets top billing over Lauren. Even I'm Granted, Lauren only appeared on an iPad screen, but still. That's true. She talked. Uh, so almost all, almost half the costumes and props used in the movie were sold to a fan in England before the movie hit theaters. <laughs> they had to get it before it got to theaters. <laughs> <laughs> right. They didn't even screen this for critics, if that tells you anything. Oh, jeez. <laughs> uh, the light that the spirits need in or, in, to reach in order to move on was also part of the original Poltergeist trilogy. It may derive from war stories that pilots claim to have seen in combat. Light. All right, so uh, parapsychologist anomalous Christopher Chichon, one of the world's foremost authorities on poltergeist, was utilized by Metro-Golden-Mare, 20th Century Fox Studios, as their official expert on the phenomenon. I'm not making fun of you. What's his name? Is is that Christopher Chichon? I don't know. I'm not looking at the spelling in the show. Chichon? Chichon? I'm not sure how it's pronounced. Didn't know how Chick-a-con. it was Chick-a-con. Chick-a-con. No, I wasn't trying Chick-a-con. to make funny of my cousin. No, I don't, oh, yeah, there's once. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's why I had to clarify. Okay, so the bumper sticker on the back of the Bowen vehicle says Hooper High School as a nod to Toby Hooper, who directed the 82 version. All right. First off, when the dryer starts bleeding, leave. <laughs> <laughs> and And... It, well, you, that, I mean, that could have been an oil leak or something, you know? Yeah, it could have been. I mean, the thing that got me, it was just like, this one, oh, who are you talking to? I mean, your kid's looking at the closet and saying that she's talking to the lost people. Lost people is a little bit more threatening than the TV people. Well, and I don't know, like, on paper at first, this has everything I like about a remake. Instead of slavishly shot for shot doing it, they try and update some things that don't make sense, patch over some holes in the original script, uh, say, okay, what would this look like if you had access to X and Y technology? Let's bring in some child actors who have had a little bit of training. But somehow in the process, they missed the point of the original and made virtually every single character, if not outright unlikable, at least less likable than their version in 82. I agree. I do agree with you on that entire thing, because honestly, I uh, Carol Ann in the original one was an adorable, tragic figure. Right, and it's not that uh, Madison, as played by Kennedy Clements, was a bad character. It's just she's a pale reflection. Uh, for me, like, if you could debate 
Griffin Bowen versus uh, I don't know why Robbie Robbie uh, Freeling. Which of those characters is more interesting? Because they tried to make this movie about Griffin, so he has a little bit of an edge in that department. But I, I like Griffin in this movie. Oh, I found him insufferably whiny until the end where he had his forced moment of, I'm going to finally resolve my character arc. See, As I think I, faced these I liked him because he was, he was a kid that didn't really know how to fit in and all that kind of stuff. And I don't know. I could. Well, I mean, one of the things that I don't understand is like, you're moving into a new house. Let's put the kid that is twitchy and freaked out in the, in the attic. Yeah, that wasn't a wise move. Yeah. And, and you know, there's a gigantic tree outside, and then the secret door full of clowns. You know, that's, that's so he could reach the ball. Yeah, and but, but I mean, part of it was just like, oh wow, oh don't forget, he needs his nightlight. Well, the kid's freaking out every other turn, you know, and and he needs a nightlight. So what? You know, it. Yeah. Halfway through the movie, the house should have spit them out and asked for a family of value to eat. <laughs> <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> like the house is like a German emo guy. He's like, <laughs> This family bores me. <laughs> Time to go make a movie. <laughs> and, like, you you miss all sorts of touching character moments that made the original really interesting. The terrified moment in the darkness between the original parapsychologist and the mom sharing the booze. You don't have any of that. Dr. Burke just kind of walks in and explains a whole bunch and... Like the only, they decided, oh, let's make her character more interesting by tacking on a romance plot. That's no, her character's less interesting. What what this what this movie felt like? I mean, overall, I didn't hate this movie. I'm going to start off with that. But what this movie felt like was like if somebody gave the Poltergeist script to like Scriptomatic 4000 and said, "Churn out a remake of this." And I like think some robot re- rewrote everything. Like this must have this, and this must have that. What what this was missing is there was no empathy for the family. It Tangina? It, it jumped. <laughs> it was definitely missing Tangina. Yes, definitely missing a Tangina. But it jumped so quickly into the. I mean, I I remember the tree scene. I don't remember the tree scene and the clown scene happening at the same time. But they paired those two together. It was like all this crap happened at the very beginning, really early on in the movie. In the original, uh, you have. You know, you've got the guy trying, you know, showing up with the beer, and then you have the remote control wars. You have them getting baked in their bedroom, and the kid freaking out because of the tree and the window and all that. There's a lot of little snippets, but just enough for you to build a relationship with the family in the first one. And where in this one, it's like, hey, they move in, house is haunted. There's something scary. Yeah, and you that's just, exactly what it is. Is there's no moment of them being a normal family aside from them just being total fucking tools and a sort of cute little girl and a perpetually frightened neurotic kid. Like was, I can't blame Griffin and Madison. They weren't actually bad people. They were just two-dimensional characters. Well, they never had that connection between the house and her character. Yeah, I mean, there were some great effects. Uh, I thought it was badass when she put her hands on the TV and all of the hands oh, from the other side. That was yeah. pretty sweet, yeah. yeah. That was a very good effect. And the clown was really creepy. The what? Oh, the, the clown, clown with that nose? Yeah. When he when he jumped a- across the screen in, into the kid, just to tackle the kid. Yeah, that got me. That, that, I'm not usually a fan of jump scares. I even knew it was coming, but it still got me. 
Yeah. No, what what got me was when the ball start when he sees it on the ground and the, and it slowly starts retracting back into the clown's face. Oh and, yeah, and he goes downstairs like guys, guys, guys. Yeah. Why will no one listen to me? <laughs> yeah, I'm trying problem. to find a single character that isn't just a two dimensional caricature. I'm and telling you, Griffin was my favorite <laughs> clown. I, I, I you can like Griffin, but he doesn't have he any. Me depth. Of like a nine year old me. Did a tree try to eat you too? When I was a little weasel. Well, the part to play t-ball. That wasn't t-ball. That was secret wrestling camp. Um, <laughs> oh, I wasn't afraid of that. <laughs> you never were. I signed uh, up for it first every time. Well, I knew it kind of jumped ship when, uh, or I, I kind of lost interest because I, I was somewhat interested in the beginning, but when the tree was like actively searching through the house for the boy. Or when you got to Super Happy Spirit Land, where all the CGI creatures are reaching out, trying to figure out where the Scorpion King is. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I kind of was like, all right, I'm 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 done. And the squirrel, was that necessary? Well, they, I mean, that is, like again, going back to what I said about the, the scriptomatic thing, it was so formulaic. You have to have the first jump scare, which turns out to be completely, you know, benign. That's, that's, no, that's I meant where the squirrel's in the cage and he's got like red eyes and looks like he's demon possessed. Yeah, they didn't need to throw that back in there. No. no. Were... Yeah, and they and they even like boiled down the face peeling scene. Did you notice well, that one? Quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't like this. The hallucinating. What did happen? Type... I don't remember. Yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, you remember the face peeling scene from the first one? You're like, yeah, the right. effect was terrible, but yeah, he ripped his face off. In this one, it's the dad is dumping his whiskey cup out. Oh, that's out. right. And he, yeah, the reflection in the... In the faucet is what he sees. Yeah, the faucet. Yeah, that's right. right. Well, and you yeah. still had a moment with the character Boyd, who was just kind of a dick for no reason. Uh, he would have been the analog to the guy who... To Marty. Okay. And his bit with the drill. That was... Yeah. See, okay, right. here's, here's one thing. Again, watching it with the kids. Hole in the wall, and they're like, there's a flashlight right there why are <laughs> yeah. you not just why do you stick your whole goddamn arm in there you know why you're there the, se- the second that arm goes in there i'm just like no dummy no yeah. <laughs> yeah the horror set pieces themselves were well staged in general like well put on but it was like everything else like the plot the characterization the script even the acting like as a technical achievement, there are some really nice moments in this. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that. Effects wise, this this movie's got some great effects. They have some great ghost type stuff going on there. The thing is, it's I didn't when Carol Ann disappears in the first one, you're like, Oh shit, Carol Ann's gone. Where is she? You know, this one the girl disappears and you're like Well, she was actually kind of annoying. It's like, well, that had to happen because they're moving to the next point on the scriptomatic. Right. <laughs> boop, boop, boop. Yeah. Just such each a child, move on, next scene. Beep, boop. And even, even though moments in the fakes, you've got the fake happy ending, and then they get pulled back in, and then once again you have well-staged scares, but that you're unable to care about. Yeah. And a paint-by-the-numbers, uh, tearful goodbye between the star-crossed lovers. Give me a fucking break. <laughs> well, I mean, again... There, there was no reason that they had to be married. In the no, right. none whatsoever. 
And what you're talking about, the whole, you know, the emotion of it, you could take, take the scene where they're in the hallway and in the, from the original one, and the mom is calling out to Carol Ann and trying to get her, you know, she's calling to her and telling her not to worry that mom's coming. Take all the emotion from that scene, that minute, and it's, there's still more emotion in that than there was in this entire movie. Yeah. Yeah, but I, if they weren't married previously, then you wouldn't have had the post-credit scene. Yeah. That, oh, there was a post-credit thing? It was so fucking lame. Man's a post-credit screen. <laughs> what was it? It was her showing up on his show because uh, he, he did, was not lost forever in Happy Spirit Land. He, he came out, and now they're on the show together, and forced cringy humor about them being on the show together. Mm. Which was not earned because neither of their characters were developed. Post-credit scene demands funny, haha. <laughs> Everything in this movie is just so 2000 horror film formulaic. It was 2000 late. Yeah. So I, mean, I didn't hate it, but it was very formulaic for sure. I just wanted to give it a chance, and maybe that's why I'm so rough on it because uh, I, I was aggressively disappointed with this. I was excited when it first started because I was I I had convinced myself I'd already seen it, and then when it started, I was like Sam Rockwell. I haven't seen this shit. <laughs> I yeah. specifically I was kind of excited, but then you know it just I mean it was it had the right scares and the right you know cinematography and the right effects and everything, but it just overall it was like you know lesser than the sum of its parts really. Right, and I specifically watched the remake before the original. Because I love the first one. I think the first one is one of the best scary movies, the best horror movies out there. So I made a point to watch the remake because I didn't want to watch the new one and be like, oh, wow, you know, well, it totally is blown away by the new one. So I wanted to have that further out in my mind. And even I finished watching it and I was just kind of like, eh, you know, their escape. You know, it was like, oh, they all jump in the car and they drive off and roll credits. So here's a new segment I'm going to introduce. It's called... um Let's do an obvious poll. Which one of the child actors pulled off the better they're here? Oh. Yeah. Pretty obvious. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the Sometime thing. is like, I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it. Come on, because the two lines I remember from uh, the first one is they're here, and the older no, you know, girl who you don't know that well, with the, when she gets out of the car and she's like, what's, starts screaming, what's happening? Her freak out. I remember we're here in the, the what's happening freak out. When she did the, I was waiting for it, like, oh, here it comes. And they're like, yeah, stink, well, somebody's coming. I was just like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> like just, she just casually announcing, yeah, they're, they're yeah. coming. They're on their way. This is an RSVP. I think we're going to be haunted. <laughs> yeah, and Sex and Sherbino and Kyle Catlett are definitely better actors than Dominique Dunn and Oliver Robbins were. They just unfortunately didn't have a script worthy of them, basically. Well, see, and that's the thing. I don't want to give too much shit to the actors because, honestly, I think this is all this is all writing's problem. Yeah. Writing, directing, just like the craft of the movie making. Right. You know, they were given. I mean, here you go. Here's a turd sandwich. Make that lunch. The, the only craft involved in this movie was on the service table. Oh snap! Take that billion-dollar industry ma- movie making business in your face. Yeah, I don't you, think they care. You're going to leave them shaking in their boots, man. <laughs> I, I went on a uh, on a 
Well, never, never mind. I was going to go into sports analogy, but I realized what I was going to do. Stop myself. You realized who you were talking to. <laughs> right. I was, I was like, you know what? It's going to completely be lost, so never mind. All right. Well, uh... I need, I need, I need, I need Brandon from Hobie back. He knew sports. I need an adult. <laughs> I hate to shut it down this quick, but we got anything else to say about this one? I mean... I could just vomit for ten minutes. <laughs> oh, it was it was a movie that I saw. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, That's my review of it. It it started out with promise and it quickly denigrated very 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 fast. I, I am so it, I didn't love it. it just... I am so glad that the uh, library had this for checkout. Considering right now you can't rent this over streaming. If you want it legit, you have to buy it. What? And I would have been, it's like, do you want pirates? Because that's how you get pirates. <laughs> well, that's how I ended up with a copy of the remake of Conan the Barbarian, because I decided to buy it instead of streaming it. And now I have a copy of the remake of Conan the Barbarian on Blu-ray. <laughs> uh, that was 163 uh, shows ago. Forever unclean. <laughs> but it's also a testament to our very first show, so I can't ever get rid of it. All right, well. so let's let's do the quick and obvious thumbs up, thumbs down. All right, everybody for Poltergeist 1982, thumbs up, thumbs down. My thumbs up. Thumbs up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I, I'd I'd say way up. It's not going to crack my top five, maybe not my top ten, but especially considering this was my first time seeing it, uh, I really appreciate this film. Yeah, I, I give it a thumbs up. It's not in my top anywhere, but it's it's good. It's in my. I would say it's in my top fifteen. Horror movies? Yeah, I'm, I'm with Pat on this one. I mean, because I remember seeing it back in the 80s. Right, I saw it in the theater, like I said. Yeah, so this was this is one of those, like, holy shit. And and one of the things that I said, do you, I don't know if you guys watch um, uh, Everything Wrong With, the Everything Wrong With Poltergeist in 20 Minutes or whatever it is. Oh, yeah, one of those videos. Yeah. yeah, I watched one of those. And one of the funniest lines that they said in that was when they, sh- they cut to the room and the Aliens poster is still hanging up in the back, not torn down at all. And they're like, Aliens poster is still hanging up, totally undisturbed, because it's seen scarier shit than this. <laughs> so, yeah. How about, uh, hey, 2015 Poltergeist? Yeah? <sighs> eh? Now we're, I no. Could, my, my thumbs, my, my thumb would go up. It's the quarter thumb thing. You know, I, I don't, I didn't hate it. So, you know, I can't go thumbs down all the way. So I'm quarter thumb up. It's a movie I saw. Yeah. It it had potential, but I checked out about a quarter of the way through and completely lost faith when they had the Scorpion King wall of souls. So, yeah, thumbs down. The best thing I can say about it is not the most aggressively terrible thing I've ever seen preparing for this podcast. <laughs> By far. This is, this is a movie that will get lost in the annals of time that we ever even saw it. Yeah, I, I was no going to say that you said that wrong, but then I'm like, no, you're pretty dead on with that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's it might be in the bottom ten. Wow. So, yeah, pretty bad. So Holy crap, Pat, it's in the bottom ten. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, Patrick. That is the number one worst thing I have ever seen. No, oh, Transmorphers beats Transmorphers yeah. was worse. <laughs> Oh man, but I, I swear to God, the fact that it gave me the the L impression, I don't know if I can hate it. So it's good. all my hate has to go to Transmorphers. All right, Pat, thank you. 
All right, let's uh, shut this down. What do we have on tap for next week? Oh, we're going back to the haunted houses. We are doing the Amityville Horror. Get out. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and this one should be pretty interesting because um, I've never seen either of these. What? Yeah. Wow. Prepare for a treat for the first one. I read this book in high school, and it was one of the scariest books I ever read. I don't. It's it's got that vibe with me that I don't want to read it again because I don't want to find out it's not as scary as I remember it. Oh, it's a great book. Yeah. I read it much later than you did, and uh, I thought it was very, very good. Okay, good. All right, yeah, so we're going to go for the original was 1970-something? What was the first sure. one? Oh, let's see. Oh, 1979. I don't, I don't know until I do yeah. the tweet. 1979, and this one, 2005, starring Ryan Reynolds and Chloe Grace Moritz. And nice. his beard. Yeah. So, cur- I'm curious to see how this is going to turn out, because I've I had nominate. A- I want to nominate Ryan Reynolds as an, an additional sexy, sexy Michael Caine, maybe sexy Ryan Reynolds. He doesn't need that. that title, though. I'm just going to nominate it. I'm you're just getting, it when, for when he's 60, you're getting him ready for it? Oh, That's gotcha. That's at some point, I want him, you know, I, he's been nominated, I'm just saying. Note taken. All right. Robert right. Trusel orders say that someone has to write that down now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so if you want to tell us to get out or you know about a haunted house that you want us to go visit or something like that, because that would be great, uh, call the skull, 708-NOW-RAP, 708-669-9727. Uh, of course, you can send us an email at 40go14 at gmail.com. Reach out to us on Twitter at 40go14 or visit us on Facebook. Just search for 40 going on 14. All right. Now I'm going to go upstairs and skillet fry a huge freaking steak and smoke up the whole goddamn house. Huh? What? From the first one. The guy's who's going to skillet cook the steak. The steak that grew maggots oh, out of it. turn the maggot thing. Holy yeah, okay, crap. Oh, All right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I remember that that scene. He's all he's just like rummaging through all their food. I'm like, okay, go ahead, dude. I guess yeah. eat all their Fritos too. <laughs> all right, we'll see you next. Or talk to you. What happens if you're a mooch? You peel your own face off. <laughs> Good night. Words Good for night. the ages. All right. That's what happened to Seal. <laughs> Seal was a parapsychologist. He got kissed by a rose. He was a mooch. So he, he peeled, peeled his face, peeled off. face off. And the Nicholas Cage wore it. Do you have a bulletin board in your house with a whole bunch of strings on it going to different pictures? <laughs> no, that's in my mind. Hmm. The studio it's, audience maintains There's all these strings going to Seal. <laughs> Why is Seal there in the first place? Seal is the Antichrist. Well, I can't argue with that. Very if, mean. You re- if you replace the S and the A with an I and a V, his name can be switched around to say evil. And you know what? The S and the A are the beginning of the word Satan. So you can make evil Satan out of his name. Or evil Sob. Kind of redundant. Drops, Mike. <sighs> Glad I got that recorded, man. <laughs> right there. I'm not. All right, I'm shutting down. <laughs> and then you're like, I don't know. I was trying to figure out what the rest would be. This is more your anus. Smoke out of my nose, but that doesn't no, burn your nose off trying to do that. So, <laughs> I don't know. I, when I have more time, I'm going to have to uh, plan all the logistics of this.